Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to do movies that I love, and we're going to talk about 500 Days of Summer. Now, I talked about it in the episode. It might have been episode around 25 or 30. My five favorite romantic comedies of the last 40 years. And I would honestly tell you, this is probably my favorite romantic comedy um, of all time. And the reason I say this, and that, that might be a bold claim. If some of you have seen this movie, obviously I'm going to give off spoilers like I do in the other movies that I love. So if you haven't seen this movie, uh, I think it's on HBO Max. If you haven't seen it, it came out back in 2008. So it's been around. It's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel as the, as the leads. And I would say it's my favorite because it's non-conventional and it doesn't depict a positive view of romantic comedies or romance or love and ultimately the two protagonists don't end up together but at the same time it has an uplifting ending and i think that it is a thinking man's romantic comedy or a thinking woman's romantic comedy and it doesn't have the typical tropes that the typical romantic comedy you know, you look at the classics, My Best Friend's Wedding, Notting Hill, the Nora Ephron classics, When Harry Met Sally, all these. It's it's a different type of romantic comedy. And for that, I just really, I've always enjoyed this movie. So it did come out in 2009, and it was written by Scott Neustadter and Michael Weber, and it was directed by Mark Webb. And I believe this was one of Webb's earliest works, if not his first work, and he's most famous for this, and then he went on to direct The Amazing Spider-Man, which, uh, you know, it's a big deal to get to get one of the Spider-Man movies. This is, I think, of the one with uh, Andrew Garfield. I think it was the Andrew Garfield iteration. Okay, so why do I love this movie? First of all, it has a non-linear structure. So you learn at the very beginning, there is a narrator who explains to you this is not the typical boy meets girl story. And... It uses a, uh, a kind of a, a, a construct where you go back in time. So clearly the name of the movie is 500 Days of Summer. So there's going to be 500 days of summer. And of course, it's a play. It's a pun on the season of summer. But it's the name of Zoe Deschanel's character, Summer. And so in the movie, it starts and goes back and forth. In fact, the opening scene is when they break up. And I think it's like day three. 320 something and they're at a diner and they're having pancakes and she says she wants to end it and then from there they go back to day one where summer works at the card company card writing company where joseph gordon levitt's character uh tom works and she is the secretary of the 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 ceo or whatever the, the boss and she he's immediately smitten and in the very beginning of the movie, when it's doing the narration, kind of gives a background on each of the, the characters. It's really, uh, you could argue, the cultural Marxist view of the feminization of the man and the masculization of the woman. But Tom believes in love. Tom is a hopeless romantic. Tom is the girl in this movie on every level. 
Summer is the boy in this movie. She does not believe in love. She thinks love, quote, complicates things. Relationships are complicated, and she'd, she'd rather not be in a relationship. And so that's the basic premise when they meet. And so the movie goes back and forth. Normally, it shows like something going on in the breakup where he's sad and depressed, and then we'll go back to the early parts of the relationship and so forth. So, But for the sake of time and just understanding, I'll just give like a basic, you know, kind of overview of 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 the of the movie and the character so summer has and zoe de chanel and and joseph gordon levitt come out and talked about this summer is maligned in this movie the character summer is is kind of universally hated by people who watch the movie and i've watched the movie recently with someone who was like this woman is a horrible bitch and look to be fair when i first watched this movie you could feel this way but look, every time i watch this movie i don't feel that way at all when they are at the bar and they're sitting down and talking, this is when they each talk about their view of relationships. So Tom tells her during the karaoke scene, it's like, how do you not believe in love? I believe in love. What about the true one, the true person? And she's like, I don't believe in love. And, and the, the thing about some of her backstory is that her parents were divorced. And he said, my parents are divorced too, but he still believes in love. And later when he's having the meltdown in the in the when he gets fired or when he quits his job, he says, why do all these movies, all these songs set us up for love when love doesn't exist? And he has the meltdown. And so he is the hopeless romantic. So Summer tells him straight out, I don't believe in relationships. Relationships don't work. They always end poorly. I don't believe in the one true love. I don't believe in any of these things. He doesn't want to hear it. He is delusional. He projects all these qualities onto Summer that she tells him straight out that I don't have and I don't want to have. But either way, they like each other. And Summer is very clear. Like if you watch his movie over and over, she never guarantees the relationship's going to last. She just tells him, I like you. I want to kiss you. And then they're in the copy room, for example, and she just walks up to him and kisses him and then walks away. A lot of people see that as a tease. Right? But the whole time, she's not necessarily ever telling them we're going to be a couple relationship. She just says, I like you. I like spending time with you. The relationship eventually becomes sexual and they end up having a good time together. And then eventually, through the flashbacks, you see some of the great points. And I love, I love some of the things that, that Weber does here or Mark Webb does here. And that he does the... You know, there, there are so many things I love. I love about Summer: the, the the dimple on her chest, the way her knees look, the way she smiles. And then later, when they've broken up, to he's like, "There's so many things I hate about Summer: the dimple on her cheek, the way the dimple on her her chest, the way her her knobbly knees. It's the exact same things, and it's so true. And this is why I love this movie because it's it's an accurate portrayal of falling in love, and it's an accurate portrayal of breakups. And how people feel at, uh, during both of them. And then it does have some cute things. Like, let's take a break really fast. I wanted to let you know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life, to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies, and naturopathic stuff. We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 20, 
17, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. Then he does a little French new wave scene where, where he's, he's in the theater and then he's playing chess with the angel and he's got the Panama line who lets go of the, of the balloon and all these things. So eventually they do break up, as I mentioned, in the diner and he is pining over emailing her and he's got two best friends. One's kind of uh, just a guy who's never had luck with women. The other one has been with his girlfriend for since they were age 13. And he also has a younger sister played by Chloe... What's her name? Chloe... By uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. She's the, the girl from Kick-Ass, the, the movie's Kick-Ass. And so they're trying to help him through it. Eventually what happens is she sends him an email. I just hope we can be friends. And this is only like two weeks after they break up. So he's even more devastated. Then he goes to a wedding of a co-worker, Millie, and he takes the same train with Summer. And they reconnect at this wedding um, somewhere on the coast. And in his mind, he thinks, oh my God, we're going to get back together because they're dancing together. It's all the things. And that he remembers. And so she invites him to come to her house on the following weekend. And again, one of these things that Webb does, such a great contrivance. He splits the screen as to what's going on, as to what his expectations are. So the expectations part is she welcomes him at the door, gives him a kiss on the lips, is talking to him the entire party and so forth. And then the, the other side of the screen on the reality, she's polite, but not really spending much time with him. And at the very end of the party, he realizes that she's engaged. And if you look at the timeline of this, this is really only about, I mean, look, there's some problems, you know, like picky nits about this movie, but they broke up on day 380. Three, I should say day 320. And then it's something around day 400, where they go to the wedding. So within 80 days, he meets this, this, she meets this guy and then gets engaged to him very quickly. So he is just devastated, understandably so, because he's the hopeless romantic. He's the girl in this movie. Then he just turns to drinking booze, orange juice, and eating Twinkies for five days straight. He's super depressed. He uh, eventually has a meltdown at work. And the whole time is that he works at a card company. He writes cards, but he is trained as an architect. And and uh, Summer always keeps pushing him, you know, why aren't you an architect? Go be an architect, architect. And so during this nadir, this down point, he starts rediscovering his love for architecture. And then he starts getting out of his depression by drawing again. And then eventually he starts applying for jobs. And... The final scene, or one of the final, the penultimate scene, is probably the most famous scene. 
So he hasn't seen her since he ran out of the apartment like a little girl. And uh, he's at his favorite park bench that he took her to that kind of overlooks L.A. And, and I think it's funny because they, they try to make L.A. like a beautiful town. L.A. is not a beautiful town, but either way. So they're at the bench and she shows up and he's, of course, distraught because he just found out that the girl that he loved, what he thought was his one true love, was in fact engaged and married now. She's wearing the ring when they're at the bench. And he's just like, how How could you, why didn't you tell me at the wedding getaway? And she says, well, he hadn't proposed yet. And he's like, well, you should have told me. And she's like, yeah, I wanted, I should have told you. And he's like, why didn't you tell me when we were dancing? And she said, because I just wanted to dance, you know? And, and you hear phrases like that and you think she's such a narcissist. But the cruelest line is that he's like, well, life's really cruel. I don't believe in romance anymore because of you. And she said, look, I just, I married him because I met him at a coffee shop. I was reading Dorian Gray and he just came up to me and started talking. And everything that I, I, I felt was right about him, I never found in you. Now, when you hear that line, and it's pretty universally heard, when, when people hear that line, they think, oh my God, what a bitch. Just what a horrible woman this <laughs> summer is. And so he is 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 taken back by that. You know, he's hurt and depressed. And then he that's when he tells her, he's like, I don't believe in love. I, I don't believe in any of these things. And then she tells him, it's like, you don't understand, Tom. It's because you convinced me that love exists, that there is such a thing as fate, that I was essentially susceptible to meeting this guy, this guy come up to me and believing in true love. And that essentially... It wasn't you. You and I were not meant to be. But because of you, you redeemed my view of love, romance, and so forth. And because of you, I found a man that I am in love with. He doesn't really understand and get it. So that at the very end, he's applying for an architecture job. And there's a girl sitting and who's, who's he's uh, vying for the job. And it's Mika Kelly from Friday Night Lights. And... They have good chemistry. She too goes to the same park where he likes to go. And he's called in for the interview. And then the, the narrator is like, well, you know, Tom, Tom doesn't believe in love. Tom knows there's no such thing as coincidences because now he's hardened because of what happened with Summer. And then at the last second when he's going in for the interview, he turns around and asks her for, to, to go have coffee after the interviews. And she balks and says she has got plans. But then she thinks about it and, and she changes her mind and says, that's great. Let's go do it. And then he asks, well, what's your name? And she says, my name is Autumn. And then the little calendar they've been showing the entire time goes from 500 days of summer, you know, look like green and happy to day one of autumn and it shows leaves. And that's how the movie ends. And so look, here's my take on the movie. And again, it, it, it is an intellectual thinking man, thinking woman's rom-com because it doesn't have the conventions. The two main people don't end up together, kind of like in the breakup, the uh, Aniston Vince Vaughn movie. But this movie is very different in that it makes you really think about relationships. And ultimately, it is a redeeming story because see, Tom is really the villain of this movie. It's not Summer. Summer was always honest with him about what she wanted in a quote relationship and she didn't want to have a relationship. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it. She was always honest. She never lied to him about it. And she clearly was troubled. She had a troubled childhood 
and she had trust issues. But because of Tom, she was able to learn to love and have trust issues. And so the movie's like, look, there's people in your life that you think are the one. Summer didn't think that with Tom. And I think some of it was like Summer didn't like the fact that Tom wasn't ambitious. Tom wasn't ambitious. She keeps telling him, and it's indirect because we don't want to like push open hypergamy, be like, I don't, I don't want to be with you because you're a slacker. But on one level, it'd be interesting, like if Tom was an architect and was doing what he loved in his passion, would have Summer realized that he was the one? Because they did like each other, and she admits later in the movie that she in fact did love him, but for whatever reason, she didn't think he was the one. So you have to think about that point. But the main point is sometimes people are put on our lives as people to prep us for the true one. And that's what this movie is about. Tom ultimately redeems Summer. And Tom doesn't realize it at the time, but Tom wasn't meant to be with Summer. He was projecting all these qualities onto her. And ultimately, they would not have had a good relationship, even though they had a lot of things in common. He was meant to be probably with Autumn because they're both architects, right? And Summer's not. And Summer was meant to be with her husband. And that is the beauty of this movie because everybody who watches this movie, if you've dumped or been dumped, can relate to it. Everybody can relate to the skipping work, drinking vodka and orange juice and, and, and pining with your friends. Everybody can relate to that. And that's what makes this movie so beautiful. It's because it's so relatable. It's so relatable. And it just hits to the universal notes and universal beats of romance and love and the difficulty of both. And that's why I love this movie. And I think it's so radically different than the typical romantic comedy. And also just I like the, the contrivances of the calendar and some other things. So guys, if you have not seen 500 Days of Summer, it is, it is a winning movie. It is a hopeful movie. And I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he still looks very young. He has a young Leo kind of look from Third Rock from the Sun. You know, he looks very boyish. And uh, But he he does a very good job in this movie as essentially the girl. And Zoe Deschanel, it, you know, I mean, this was the movie that made her the pixie dream girl. You know, this and New Girl, the TV show. But she's beautiful in this movie and she does a great job. And they both do a really good job. And look... I'm just going to start a campaign that rehabilitates Summer campaign because Summer is not the villain of this movie. And I think it also, depending on where you are in your life when you watch this movie, kind of makes you, helps you realize that. Because if you're, if you're typically the one who's dumped in, this, in your life, you're going to relate to Tom more than Summer. But when you've been in relationships and in hindsight realize that maybe that person wasn't the one and you ended up finding somebody who's more compatible and you watch it from that lens, you'll realize that Summer is not the bad person in this movie. Either way, watch the movie. I will post a poll at the Cinema Rag and you let me know what you think of this movie. And as always, there's two links in the episode notes. One's for PayPal to make a donation if you'd like to make one. And then one is a link to the website that hosts all the Eclectico Gregorio feeds. Until next time, take care. God bless. And pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow The Rag today. Until next time.